Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of Own the Microphone. Bridget McGowan here. Have you ever heard a sound that completely stopped you in your tracks? And how about words that made you just stand completely still and they stayed with you long after they have passed? That is the absolute best way I could describe our guest today, Dr. Regina Lewis. Dr. Lewis is a world-renowned speaker who is known to be lyrical and memorable. She will not just motivate you, but she inspires you to move into spaces and places you never thought you could go. And today she's here to tell you exactly how to create stillness within your audience and have them talking about your presentation at their dinner tables long after you have gotten off of the microphone. Dr. Lewis, I'm so excited. I'm excited to be here as well. <laughs> Did you always know that you would be comfortable in front of an audience? Did that just come naturally to you? You know, and I have to be honest, it, it did. It came very natural for me because I, like I tell everybody, I came out into this world speaking, but I realized that, that I'm not the norm and this is not typically what you would see uh, from someone who wants to do public speaking, that it's not natural for them to just say, oh, I can just get up in front of a lot of people and just begin to speak. So for those of us where it's not natural for us, for those of us where we didn't come out of the womb talking, right? what advice do you give us? How do we, how do we get confident or at least halfway as confident as you? Absolutely. No, thank you. Thank you for asking that question. One of the first things that I always say is that we have to work cognitively. It's, uh, the term is cognitive restructuring. And it's really about restructuring the way you think. Because a lot of times what stops us in our tracks is just the mere th thought that I can't do this. So we start thinking in our mind. And if you say that you can't, you won't. So it's really about believing something different. Other times we believe that people might not be interested in what we're saying or that, um, hey, I, I'm just starting this. And so all of these experts are out here, but no one is you. That's something to always remember that no one knows it and understands it the way that you do. No one's going to deliver it the way that you do. No one has your style and people are always inviting us to speak and to be able to share our own perspective. So we all have our own different perspectives that we want to actually share. And so being able to do that is what's most important. Even myself and even you, Bridget, you know, we weren't the first speakers. I mean, we can go all the way back to Aristotle, right? And so we can't compare ourselves to those individuals, but we can say, I have a voice. I have a perspective. I have something to say and something to share. What do you do before every presentation, hands down, it doesn't matter where you are, what you're speaking on, what is something that you do that's just kind of part of your ritual, that's part of your process for making sure you give a killer presentation? 
absolutely. One of the things that I do is I play music in my head just to calm me down. I get it going, you know, whatever music is in my, my world at that moment, I just do that to start calming me down. The next thing that I do is I make sure that I have done some type of audience analysis. I know my audience either through information that's been given to me or I've taken the time to actually speak to my audience, you know, shaking hands, talking, and I might start to implement that into my speech. And then in my head, I start preparing what is gonna be the first thing that I'm gonna say? I'm not gonna introduce myself. I'm not gonna say, hi, I'm Regina, I'm glad to be here. I'm going to start out with a story, either from something that I heard when I was introducing myself to the audience, or just something that has happened that's kind of current, to kind of get me relaxed and start building rapport with my audience immediately. Regina, you made me think about something when you were saying that you will do audience analysis, whether it's formal or informal, where you're meeting people before your presentation. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? Oh, <laughs> that is a really good question. I am definitely an extrovert. I am. I'm an extrovert. And so then for people who say, well, I'm not an extrovert. I can't go out there and meet and greet people. I understand that. And that's when you start to find out other ways to learn about your audience. You can find that out through a questionnaire that you send to uh, the group that you're going to be speaking to or the person who's actually asked you to speak. You can talk to them and say, you know, who's my audience? You know, what do they already know about this topic? What do they feel about it? So that you know if they are already with you or if it's something that you have to start to build and persuade possibly or, or have a more gentle conversation about. So then you start to learn that way as well. So you don't have to go up and shake hands. I'm just all over the audience. Hello, how are you? Can't wait to meet you. My name is Regina and I just keep it real. And then for those who are introverts, and I, I'm with you, I feel you, I am an introvert, believe it or not. Uh -huh. You can just find those three, four, five friendly faces in the audience. And especially when it's a larger audience, mm -hmm. it's really easy to do this, to find those few friendly faces, but find them in different areas of the audience and yeah. they they become your audience they become your friends pretend that you're only talking to those few people so if it it, it makes it less daunting if you've got a hundred people in front of you and you're only talking to three or four but everybody in the audience feels like you're talking to all of them because you are looking in different areas of the audience at those friendly faces music you said that you have music going on in your head to kind of keep those nerves at bay and yeah. it's just kind of part of your your ritual if you will tell me what song is it the same song all the time is it a different song is it a song you can tell us about is it a song <laughs> so okay <laughs> so it can be different depending on the situation and what I'm trying to deliver if I need to have a more of a calming effect or if I need to bring some energy but if I'm trying to bring it Believe it or not, I mean, this is going to really tell my age. I play Heavy D and the Boys in my head. And the reason for that is because Heavy D, although he was a rapper, he really articulated his words. He used all of his articulators. And that is what really helps me to translate my language because I don't naturally speak 
with this type of articulation. I have a drag to my voice. You could hear a little bit of um, Baltimorean that comes out. And so I start to play his songs in my head and it starts to help me to formulate my mouth so that when I get ready to speak, then I'm very clear and articulate. I'm telling my age too, one of my favorite episodes of A Different World was when he appeared on there and, and Jasmine Guy, her character was really yeah. bad mouthing him and going, to, <laughs> I love that episode. I love that show. I need more shows like that. <laughs> we do, but you know, uh, sometimes when I work with individuals who really struggle with articulation, then that's when I actually, you know, tell them, listen to Heavy D and the Boys. If they're into rap, and they pick up the words and they have to articulate it like he does. And that's been really helpful as well. That is really interesting. I'm storing that in my toolkit. I always learn something when I talk to you. What do you <laughs> usually speak on? What is your core message? Or do you have a couple of different core messages that are at the center of your, your repertoire? Absolutely. Well, one of the first ones, and I started out when I started speaking well, my first was on etiquette, business etiquette. So I do uh, business etiquette, international etiquette, but I then started to share my story. I was going through a very deep healing time and, you know, just really struggling through it. I had lost, you know, my son's father, right? Um, we were divorced at the time, but we were still very close friends and he had lost his life in a helicopter crash. It was him and nine Americans and 11 Vietnamese soldiers. And it was just really painful. And I'm looking at my son and I'm trying to figure out how do I keep it together? And so I started sharing my story because I was noticing that I was making it through insurmountable odds. Everything that could have come my way that was negative was coming my way. And it was a struggle. So to be able to share that with other individuals just was really, really powerful. And what I was finding is that they were responding because they could actually hear themselves in the story. And then they were able to receive tools from me. And that's what makes that difference between being motivational and inspirational. So I do a lot of inspirational talks. Um, my other talk is that like one of my keystone uh, topics, I do a lot of different talks, but this one is on diversity and inclusion. I talk about unconscious bias and what is really interesting about what I do is number one, it really does meet all of the requirements and standards that says we can't talk about certain things. I mean, if you looked at the, the latest Trump order, we're not allowed to talk about certain areas in diversity talk, and I never have. I talk about what we all have and what we all need to work on and our responsibility for the negative impact that it could have on other people. And then you as the audience gets to choose where is your level of responsibility? Before you make a presentation, I know you think about the audience first. You mm -hmm. always think about what are they going to get out of my message? Yes. Now, have you ever found yourself in a position where 
you were having to present on a topic that was a little bit more of a challenge. It was a little bit harder to figure out what are they going to walk away with? What, how am I going to inspire them and motivate them? Have you ever been in that kind of a position? Yes. Yes. yes, yes and, and I, I, I ask because sometimes our listeners will find themselves having to make presentations on company content. That's just not, it, it's, it's not part of their passion. How did you make that, a successful experience for both you and the audience. Absolutely. Well, the first thing I always do the law of three. I just I always think of three major ideas that I want to discuss that really is going to be important because there's all kinds of things you could talk about, but then you start to lose your audience. And so you pick out three things, and that's what I do is I say, you know, I'm going to talk about A, B, and C, and I look at what those three things have in common with one another, which becomes the focus of my talk. And so I really try to stay right there. And then depending on how much time I have, I either go in one direction, which is to make sure that every, you know, 10 to 15 minutes, there's some type of interaction where they have to answer questions, they have to talk to one another, they have to do something. Or if it's very quick and I have to get to the point, I do something called Pecha Kucha. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with Pecha Kucha, but Pecha Kucha is a fantastic way to deliver information in a very short period of time. It's six minutes, 40 seconds. And what it basically is, is it's 20 slides, and each slide runs 20 seconds a piece. And they have competitions about this. This is something that was created in Japan for business people. And so we started presenting this in, in different places like the Center for Creative Leadership, uh, all of my leadership um, and executive coaching on public speaking training. I teach people how to do this type of style of speaking. So as the, video, as the PowerPoint is going, so it's moving every 20 seconds. And so then the trick is in the transitions and being able to deliver that information and it just moves and it's powerful and it's to the point. That's what we want every time we speak is to be powerful and to the point. Do you have any practices that you put in place on a daily basis where you're not on a stage, you're not physically on a microphone, but I mean, I I know you also teach communications. You're a professor of the world of communications. So are there daily strategies that just the average person can put in place and, and be powerful and to the point every single time he or she speaks? Absolutely. One of the things that I practice is when I am in the mirror getting ready for the day, then I just play around with my voice. I play around with how am I going to say something? Because to bring that power, you have to be able to pitch the point, be able to you know, have the rise and fall in your voice. So a lot of times I just play with my voice, be able to deliver, be able to make them feel what it is that I'm trying to say. So I always bring those particular pieces in. So that's one of the things that I do. Another is, is that when I'm having everyday conversations with someone in my head, I start thinking instead of going around March's barn, what is it that I can actually just say to pinpoint it? We can have the conversation 
a deeper conversation, but I start out with headlines. So imagine that you are doing a headline for a newspaper. What is it going to say to capture their attention? So I say that first, and then I start to dig deeper and deeper and deeper. I've noticed during our conversation, and I always notice this with people, I've noticed during our conversation, you do not use filler words. Do you have a secret for keeping those filler words out of your vocabulary? I love that you asked that question. I talk about it all the time. Because first of all, we have to stop and think, why do people use filler words? And a lot of times it's because they're trying to adjust their thinking. They need to fill in a a space because it becomes very uncomfortable for them. Because what is happening is, is in our head, it's almost like we're keeping the beat to a song. So everybody has got this rhythm that's going on in their head as they're speaking. But all of a sudden, we need to pause, but it becomes really uncomfortable. So we fill it with um, 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 um. But what we need to learn how to do is just cut it off, take a pause and think, and then come back and get that beat again. So that's basically what's going on and how I tell them, it's okay to take that pause. And when you take that pause, do it intentionally. Look like you're thinking about it, really thinking about it. Stop for a moment and ponder as opposed to searching. Just ponder and pause. And then your audience will actually appreciate that. They'll actually appreciate that. And it makes you look and sound far more powerful than you trying to continue with that beat, than you trying to continue to fill that empty space that just seems to scare you. And that silence, that dead air, right? that's the word for which I was searching, that dead air, it's okay. I mean, in the radio world, it's not okay. You do not want any dead air. I remember a student news director at Prairie View A&M University, Charles Porter, would tell me all the time, no dead air, we, that, that is the death of radio. <laughs> But it's okay in Mm -hmm. face-to-face communication. It's okay during a presentation, that contemplative pause. It gives you time to collect your thoughts, find that beat again, and fill in that word for which you were looking. And it's it's a moment for the audience to sit and let your message sink in for a second. That's right. That's exactly right. Because sometimes they need that pause as well. So it's perfectly fine. I remember when I first learned about the power of the pause by the late, great James Humes. He was a speechwriter for five of our presidents. And he has a book called Stand Like Lincoln, Speak Like Churchill. And he talks about the power of the pause. And it's really powerful. Oh, you've got it right there. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. He just passed away uh, last month and it was really, really sad, but he really gave some amazing tips and that just so happened to be one of those. Yes. Yes. I absolutely love that. It just, it puts a power behind your message, simply put. Now it's time for the lightning round. I don't think I prepped you for this one. So we, let's see how you do with this one. Now is time for my lightning round. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you 
two options and they're kind of related to the speaking world. Let me look right quick. I think they're all, yes, they're all related to the speaking world. Okay. And you are going to tell me which one, which one would you choose? Okay. Ready? Okay. Heels or flats? Heels. Dress or skirt or pantsuit? Pantsuit. Do you eat before your presentation or after your presentation? Oh, after, after. (laughs) Morning presentations, afternoon presentations? Morning. Do you like presenting to people you know or people you don't know? Both. (laughs) I know. You, you, You broke the rules. You're supposed to pick one or the other. Yes. How is it you're cool with present? How how is it you're cool with presenting to either one? Absolutely, because Mm -hmm. if I'm speaking to people that I know, I understand where their passion is. I understand where their heart is, and it makes it really, really easy. When it's people that I don't know, I get to give the element of surprise. That's where instead of me knowing, I have to go with the feeling, that energy that's around me, and that energy is really powerful, and people need to pay attention to that, and you you can hit the nail on the head. I love presenting to people I don't know uh-huh. just because it it's this thrill. It's giving them something new. They don't know yeah. what they're about to experience. Right. People who know me, for some reason, I'm not as excited mm-hmm. because I'm thinking I have to top what I did the last time. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. You gotta beat my game from the last time. Right. It, it causes you to keep improving. So that's not a bad thing, I guess. But I have even more butterflies because I, I just feel like I've got to bring it with these people. Exactly. Well, they become your cheerleaders, right? If they're coming back, then obviously you said something that was memorable that would bring them back to hear more. And even if you are telling the same story, it's how you say it. And each time you get the opportunity to say it a little bit differently and tap into them in different places and spaces. Exactly, because I've had more experiences since the last presentation that are going to color that story. It's the same story. Foundationally, it's the same story. However, the experiences that I've had since then have certainly impacted my perspective on that story and how I'm going to tell it. Right. Dr. Lewis, what is one last thing that you would tell the audience if there was nothing else they needed to know? What is the most important takeaway you can give them today? I think that the most important thing right now is to look for a coach in the audience. You want to look for somebody who's a coach in the audience someone and maybe a couple of people that is nodding and listening to you, especially if you don't know your audience and be able to now look at them and be able to say, okay, now I feel comfortable. And every time that you feel nervous, go back to your coach, whoever that is. And then you start to move a little bit over to the left and you get nervous, come back to your coach, go to the right, go back to your coach, to the back, to the front, everywhere and continue to go back to your coach. So that right there, I believe is one of the most powerful things that you can do to prepare yourself for speaking. 
That is brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, because you're going to have the people in the audience who have a look on their faces where you're thinking I'm not getting through to them. You're going to have those others who look like they wish they they could be somewhere else. And then you're going to have those others, so many more of this type where they're leaning in and they cannot wait to hear what you're going to tell them. They cannot wait to feel the transformation you're going to bring about to them. And listen, everybody, I love the technique that Dr. Lewis gave us today that she does on a regular basis in the mirror. And I want every last one of you to start doing this. It it reminds me of when I was a kid. I'm so lame. Before I would make phone calls, Dr. Lewis, before I would make phone calls, I would practice my script. Even if it was something as simple as, I mean, I don't know what kind of phone calls I was making as a kid. Let's just start. <laughs> I don't know. But, but I distinctly remember how I would rehearse what I was going to say. I, I mean, something as basic as I just don't know if I can ride to Sonic with her after band practice the next day. I don't know. I would wow. sit and think, hey, Rhonda. No, 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 no. How's it going, Rhonda? You know, right. <laughs> That's exactly right. But I think a lot of speakers actually do that, you know, and something that you did, Bridget, that I think is really does create stillness is when you just leaned in, you changed the volume and the pace of what it is that you were saying, which causes the audience to lean in and to listen even closer. I thought that was powerful. That was just powerful. Yes, yes, you're picking up what I'm putting down. That's what made me think about it was when I did that. So for the listeners, when you want to convey excitement, do you hear the way I'm talking right now? It's a little bit faster, a little bit hushed, a little bit higher pitched than usual. But then if I want to convey mystery, I'm going to slow things down, maybe bring it down an octave. And I'm going to to minimize my movement too. I'm not going to move my hands too much. I'm not moving my face too much. My eyes are kind of level at you. If I want to convey confidence, then I'm going to have the shoulders back. I am going to speak very crisply. I am going to make sure my voice is not too low, but it's not too high pitched. So play with that. Play with the mystery. Play with the intrigue. Play with the excitement. Play with the authority sound in your voice. Do that every day. Do that in the mirror. Think about a phone conversation you are going to have that day, a Zoom meeting you are going to have that day. And what you do is you are working on your speech. You're working on your pacing. You're working on your voice. So when it's showtime, yes, it comes easy for you, right. but you work on it every single day at the grocery store, on the phone, on Zoom. You work on it every single day so you don't have to get ready. You stay ready. Always, always. You know, I am a war veteran. I was in Desert Storm, and in the military, we had a statement we always said, practice during peacetime for wartime activity. You do the exact same thing every single day. You know, even before I got on your show today, I thought about, what is my tone going to be? How am I going to lean in? How am I going to deliver those messages? How am I going to make sure that my hands don't get in the way, but I still use them? Because there's power in those gestures as well. Very powerful. 
Dr. Lewis, I cannot thank you enough. This was fantastic. I love the insight, love the energy that you bring. I didn't get any lyrics out of you this time, so I might have to invite you on for an encore so we can get some, mm-hmm. Love it. Bring me on. I would love to be on. Awesome. Thank you again. And listeners, thank you for tuning into this episode. I will catch you next time. And remember to always own the microphone. Mm-hmm.